Tantra is the shortcut for the courageous. Tantra, you know, will take you to a love of adventure, a love of discovering the hidden, a love of, you know, discovering who you are in all sorts of unexpected circumstances. So hello and welcome to Tantra Make Easy and today I'm so, so, so thrilled to be chatting with possibly the most important person, one of the most important people in the Tantra that we are all practicing today, the, the Neo-Tantra as we call it, the fusion of ancient practices and modern needs and requirements, um, creating something that's having a second wind, a, a new lease of life. So that very important person is the great Margot Anand, um, who is one of the, the people bringing Tantra to all of us. So I'm going to welcome Margot here from Bali. So hello, Margot. And thank hello, you hello. Nice to see you. Very <laughs> happy to be with you. Uh, you too. I wish I was there in Bali with you, but <laughs> this is good enough for now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're old friends. We know each other a long time. Yeah. I've always appreciated your your joy of life and your easiness to express your feelings and you know how you go about living and doing and it's a you're really a good example for many people you know <laughs> well thank you and uh, and a lot of it is to do with you because even before I met you um, your book was one of the very first books that I ever laid my hands on I was living in Pune in the Osho Ashram, well, the meditation center, but we called it the ashram. And somebody gave me your book. And I remember having this book in my hands and like looking through and I had a partner at the time and we were like, oh, let's, let's get into Tantra. So it was for me, my, my very first steps, even before I did a workshop, was uh, using your book. <laughs> so... Yeah. And, and of course, others since then, then along came your sex magic book. And now you've got a wonderful book with all of your stories of your journey into Tantra. So you've really yeah. made a huge contribution to the world of Tantra. Really huge. True. And I would love to chat with you a little bit about how that even happened. Like, how did you, like, obviously you didn't have Margot Nan's book. <laughs> so when you were looking for Tantra, it wasn't even around. So could you tell us a little bit about how you found Tantra, how it came to you, how you ended up looking for this path? Well, yeah, I mean, I think Tantra found me. <laughs> but I think that the divine, whoever you want to call the divine, well, gave me a carrot. They put the carrot before the donkey because the first time I made love, I had a huge cosmic orgasm in which I disappeared into light. And as you know, light is boundless. It doesn't have any limits. It doesn't have any frontiers. It doesn't belong to any family, any school, any education, any country. So I became this nothing and everything the first time I made love. So it was an awakening. And I knew from that, that moment on that sex was going to be the door to the spirit for me. Mm. And uh, then I went and I became a bliss hunter. <laughs> Because I was wanting to find this moment again. And as everybody listening to us must know, 
once you have in one time the grace comes to visit you and you have a moment of grace, uh, you want to reproduce it and it doesn't it doesn't get manipulated it doesn't take an appointment to meet you at five o'clock tomorrow it just comes and it goes and so so i went around the world i tried everything i learned from i don't know how many masters and um i ended up also uh, at the ashram of osho in india and osho was of all the teachers i've had definitely you know the most extraordinary for me and so uh osho opened my windows and then i continued my journeys uh, to teach around the world he had me teach the first tantra groups at the ashram in Pune, and then uh that was a big revelation because i had no idea how to teach a tantra group but <laughs> he was showing me and then um how did it start? Yeah, I had a meeting with a man who was a tantric master in Paris. And he showed me a tanka with a yabium, like a Buddha with a Dakini woman sitting on his lap. And I looked at it and he said, this is it. This is all there is to know. I had no clue what he was talking about. <laughs> and he said, okay, just patience, you will find out. So I started to be obsessed about this thing. And then we were a whole tribe living in a wonderful house. And the tribe decided to go to the Musée Guimet in Paris, which is specializing in Oriental art. And there was a show about tantric art from the Buddhist tradition. So I walk around this Palace of Wonders. And I see this amazing statue that was, you know, maybe one and a half meter high, you know, you know, dressed in real silk, all hand embroidered with the bodies carved in the most exquisite carvings. And, you know, I was told and slowly recognized that this Buddha was Padmasambhava and presumably the Dakini was Yeshit Sogyal. So I thought, okay, what are they doing? They look like uh, they were the, the, on the tonka that Michel showed me, you know. So then I kind of bent down. I was very curious, lifted that <laughs> a little bit, and kind of I wanted to see, you know, what they were doing down there. <laughs> and then I realized that Vajra, the man's penis, was actually inside the woman's yoni, uh, the woman's sexual organ. And so, and it was all red and gold and looking very juicy, you know. Aha, <laughs> uh -huh, that's what it's all about, you know. And this was, of course, the beginning of my search to develop an understanding of this particular yoga, which is called sky dancing. Mm -hmm. I had many, many revelations and help about uh, out-of-the-body visitations and blessings from Dilgo Kiense Rinpoche. Here he is. Oh. He's uh, now reincarnated in his grandson. And anyway, he came and uh, I tell these stories in my latest book, Love, Sex and Awakening. And um, eventually I discovered uh, that sky dancing tantra 
which started with Padmasambhava and Yeshit Sogyal, uh, there is a book called The Sky Dancer about them. Very beautiful. Anyway, I discovered that uh, this was a lineage. And what does the word lineage mean? It means that all those that have been walking this path before you left an imprint, they left a morphogenetic field through the power of their practices. And when you get, when you receive initiation and you enter into this field, you are helped, supported, and your evolution goes much, much faster because you have the blessings of all these Buddhas and people before you. So anyway, that is what I, that was my mission. That was, I was given to develop. And how did you get initiation? Because often we think of initiation, you know, like when you're a monk and you're in a monastery and after like 10 years, someone gives you an initiation. So how does a Western woman from Paris, a bliss hunter, how does, how does she get her initiation? How, how did your initiation start? Well, uh, it is said in the ancient scriptures that the one who is, uh, you know, justified on it, to be a teacher in the world of Tantra has to be initiated by an enlightened master. So I got many initiations, you know, but of course I got initiations from Osho. And then the initiation from Padmasambhava was very powerful. And it happened uh, during the uh, transmissions uh, of the Kala Chakra seminar with uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Mm -hmm. So it's a long story. I don't want to go into too many details here, but at some point a monk who represented him put his hand on my head and I went on this amazing journey in which Padma Sambhava took me on his lap, you know, pushed my buttons, pushed my ego, awakened all my fears. I mean, I got it all. You know, and there I was flying in the universe, sitting on his lap in Yabium, being tested. <laughs> and, you know, then eventually I arrived in the, you know, the mandala of the five uh, root Buddhas. And then he presented me to the Dakinis and I sat at the end of the line and he told me, welcome to the family of the Dakinis. So then I felt I was empowered to uh, develop and teach skydancing tantra. And that's what I did. And it's actually becoming very successful because we are probably, first of all, the oldest school in, in the world of neo-tantra, but also we are having a reputation of being in high integrity and mm -hmm. not taking advantage of sleeping with our participants. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we're clean, so to speak. Yeah. And we, we believe in Freud's uh, transmission that said, you know, when a, there, is a, there is a transfer and a counter-transfer. When you come to be on the seat of the teacher, all the participants <clears throat> are transferring <clears throat> sorry, sorry, father, mother, onto you. <laughs> because they expect that you're going to give them the healing they didn't get from their parents. And so, uh, you know, now an, uh, a leader that is not, that is not in integrity are going to see all these loving eyes all around, you know, gazing at him. And if he has not taken care of his sexual needs, he's going to, pick and pluck, you know, the best of them all to spend the night with them or to do whatever it is. 
And this is then, you know, called a counter transfer, you know, and it just creates so much confusion. Yeah. And uh, it, it's basically not a good thing, I think. How do you think that people can uh, avoid that? Like you mentioned sexual needs. So, uh, so a person uh, who wants to be a tantra teacher, they actually need to take time as a student first, right? They need to, they, of course. that of they course. really teach anything if you haven't first experienced it. That's ridiculous. And then now tantra, the, the tantra revolution that Osho predicted, is is now taking place big time especially in bali <laughs> and you know it's like it used to be with yoga people take a workshop or two workshops and then they hang their shield on the street and then they become tantra teacher you know <laughs> and you know excuse me you know the kind of initiations and the kind of uh process that we went through was so deep compared to that and yeah. in our school in sky dancing tantra you do two years six weeks of the love and ecstasy training. Then you do two years, six weeks of the teacher's training, very thorough. And then you do two years, six weeks of being in the assisting team of the next love and ecstasy training. And then you are certified as a sky dancing Tantra teacher. So it's a real commitment, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so that's what I can say about that. So when it's for the advice for people who are new to Tantra is to really check that, that, that the teacher they're working with has really taken time and has, you know, trained with someone, mentored, done a teacher training. Um, yes. And yes. also, I, I totally agree with you. I've seen people who've done like a couple of weekends and they're like, oh, I feel good. And they just look at the surface level of the steps in the ritual and then they think they can just copy it and they don't understand the subtle layer how you're working with energy, how you're holding space, and the, and all the depth that goes with holding space for this kind of work. And as, and also the spiritual layer, I think many people don't see. They just see the intimacy and connection. Um, yeah. And if people haven't accessed the more spiritual realm, they're, they're, all they can pass on is a kind of nice intimacy rather well, than- Well, let, a- let me tell you what I'm observing, which was pretty much the same as I observed in the ashram of Osho and pretty much everywhere that I went through myself. So you get to the first layer and you have bliss. You have an, a blissful awakening of, you know, a new potential in the world of your sexuality. Now all of a sudden your sexuality is opening up and, you know, you drop your guilt and your taboos and you're more free and you enjoy your body and you dance like crazy and you make love like crazy. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, you know, the next thing that the next uh, uh, snafu that you hit along this process creates such a drama for people, you know, because they didn't have a deeper training. They didn't combine the preparation for Tantra with a lot of work on yourself in therapy, in emotional release work, in breath work, in, you know, when Osho gave the Tantra groups to lead in Pune, he personally sent each of the participants to that group that I was leading. And before they got there, they had to go through all the other groups in the ashram. And he didn't say that. He just, you know, measured where people were at. And so that, you know, they were ready. They had done their emotional catharsis. In fact, I was just talking to Sarita last night. We, had, we are at the party. And Sarita was with Osho, you know, 26 years, even longer than me. And she said, 
friend. And she said that when she was with Osho, uh, she went into a phase where she was screaming all day long, being in an endless catharsis and nonstop. <laughs> and, you know, her neighbor, I think it was in Osho's house, so I don't know exactly where, but in the ashram, her neighbor went to Osho to complain. Hey, she's making so much noise. And Osho said, leave her alone. She's in her process. Don't interfere and don't disturb. So anyway, you know, now when someone has gone through all that, they are able not to be so emotionally identified with any zafu, tofu, uh, glitchu, whatever glitch is happening. And, you know, they start to keep their sense of humor about it all, you know. And remember that it's a bit of an illusion, you know. <laughs> no need to make too much of a drama. But before you can stop making dramas, you have to go through the phase of being a drama queen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <A> conscious <laughs> drama queen. <laughs> well, conscious, you know. Because then you start, I mean, yeah, I see it this last night, you know, people attack each other in a way where all the compassion is out the window. You know, they forget that to be an authentic teacher, one of the first requirements is compassion. And compassion, you can't be compassionate unless you know how to forgive. You know, and people don't look beyond their nose, they're too young. <laughs> you know, you know. So do you think before people enter Tantra, it's important that they actually start with other things, that they're doing breath work or... Absolutely, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. You, have to, you have resolved your issues with father and mother. Big deal. Yeah. I didn't win by participating in the Hoffman quadrinity process, which is a process that is taught mostly in America. You know, there you really get rid of all your father mother patterns. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah. And this is so important now because it's going to come up in relationship. It's going to come up with your tantra teachers, but it's also in intimacy. That's what I see coming up a, a lot in uh, in workshops with people is if they haven't done that work therapeutically, then it, it's going to keep coming out as projections and creating a lot of drama and uh, getting in the way of, of attaining higher states and going, you know, more into the practices. So I think this is really, really important work for people yeah, to do. Yeah, and then, you know, like the whole question of non-attachment. I mean... It's huge, you know, people don't know. So they, they make love, it works, and now all of a sudden, all of their bad habits, you know, their education, their past, you know, falls into their mind, and um, <clears throat> they're lost. <clears throat> they're lost and they're ready to manipulate to get what they want mm -hmm. because they haven't, they haven't learned that one of the highest uh, teachings of Tantra very, very difficult, and the koan that I will give you without explaining it, is the art of being desireless at the height of desire. Think about that one. So, When I, when I met you in your house in Bali uh, like a decade ago, I remember you ran me a beautiful bath in your garden with flower petals, and I remember when we were chatting, that you shared that, and it went whoo, straight in somewhere very, very deep. And it's yeah. something that just unravels and reveals itself through life once you're sitting with it. That's what I found. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. 
I'd had so many aha moments after yeah. that meeting with you where I would see the desirelessness in the peak of desire, like, ah. Yeah. And I, 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 I mean, I, desire, you know, desire is uh, the motor of life and the road to hell. <laughs> you know, it's uh, a lot of has been written about desire, the traps of desire and the bliss of desire and, you know. But at some point, whatever you desire, if you get it, or even if you don't get it, you have to let it go. Mm -hmm. So how do you recommend people work with desire? Because, you know, so many religions say just repress it, stay away from the opposite gender and chocolate and wine, stay away from everything you desire. And then the hedonists are like, just go for it no matter what. Um, so, <laughs> and that takes you to the road of hell and addiction. So how come, what's the, what's the other alternative? Well, the alternative is to really, really deeply understand what is the role of yin and what is the role of yang. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in the yin, you allow the other to be taking the initiative, to be in his splendor, to be the king or the queen. You respect their boundaries and you are receptive to whatever they have to offer but you don't manipulate, you don't try to obtain what you want, you don't project that life has to give you exactly what you want, otherwise you're going to be unhappy. You don't do all this. In yin, you're just receptive. And that is what existence has given me right now to practice with an incredible man, very, very <laughs> gorgeous man. And so, uh, you know, and the yang is, okay, now it's uh, the moment for me to to take initiative, you know, to lead the show, to suggest things, to be the queen, to, you know, uh, inspire people and, and, and do something that were leads, you know, so you're leader, you know. And so uh, when a man and a woman don't have an understanding of that, man, it's very difficult because... They feel upset if, you know, the man feels upset if the woman is too young and doesn't give him his space, then he loses interest. The woman is insecure because she feels if she doesn't take charge, she's not going to get what she wants, so she starts to manipulate. And then if the man goes yin, you know, and opens up, then all the anger she had against her father and other men start to come forth, you know, and then she gives him hell. And so, of course, he doesn't think it's such a good idea to open up anymore. You know, there's so much stuff going on around all this, you know. And I'm quietly here in Bali, you know, participating in a lot of different events and ecstatic dances and being basically associated with women that are totally not my age, you know, because that's where the fun is. <laughs> and, and at the same time, I'm silent and I'm watching because here in Bali, I, I'm not teaching. I'm teaching in my institutes outside of Bali. Mm -hmm. And so I'm silent and I'm watching and every once in a while I'm dropping a few pearls here and there, a few, you know. <laughs> it's just like it's a completely new dimension for me, you know. Mm -hmm. and, um, so that way you're moving more in the end because you've been young in many ways of being a leader and being a pioneer and, you know, holding the very first Tantra workshops in the ashram, which is huge, and being such a guide that now you feel you can be more yin and, and sitting back and watching everything unfold. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I've done, I done my job. You know. Yeah. <laughs> was to you know, leave the world a better place than I found it. You know. So I'm okay. You know, with Yin and Yang, I remember I we did a workshop and you came in Bali um, many years ago. I was dating a guy from San Francisco and you gave us this Yin Yang game. And it was one of the things that really changed my life and the way I relate. And it was so simple. And in our lunch breaks and our evening breaks, you guided us that one would be Yin and one would be Yang. And the Yang one would make the decisions, choose which restaurant we go to, what we eat, what we do. And the Yin one would surrender. Or they would be able to say, I'm not able to surrender. Is there another way? You could you could negotiate and share boundaries. So we played it. We didn't just play it the once when you recommended it. We played it every day because we got so much out of it. And we had one scooter. Whoever was young would drive and the yin one would be on the back. And I remember being on the back and closing my eyes, like totally putting myself in like total surrender of like, wow, this is how it is to be taken, to be held. And then, but then also learning the power of yang, even though I was the woman, learning how to hold my my man and to make decisions that opened him up, not just selfish decisions, what I wanted to do, but what restaurant is going to delight him, what food can I order, and yeah, exactly. how can exactly. this be of relationship through yin and yang, rather than just being a soft yeah. or a fiery yang person, but how do they relate? And it really changed relating for me. I absolutely love this exercise. I don't know if I've ever told you, but it like shaped the whole relationship. <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's what I love about you. You're a very intelligent uh, uh, student, you know? <laughs> you take the things to heart, you try them out, you sort out what the jewels are for you, you apply them, and now look at you. You have a happy life. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and I, I still have and I have a wonderful partner who uh, who also loves to play. Mostly he's very young, but of course now I have these tools. And even now after 20 years of Tantra, I still love to take the, the, the formed rituals or exercises and practice those as well as just like living our life. There's so much, uh, so much gift in them. So much gift. So how is he doing your partner? Good? Yes, we're we're very we're very happy. We've had a uh, it's been a tough year for so many people, and somehow we have been held by by some divine grace that we're always in a beautiful place with beautiful people. Which started with you in Bali, of course. <laughs> no, it's it's true. I feel the same way. I feel blessed to be in Bali. It's a delight, really yeah. a delight. Yeah, there's no limitations. We can go out. We can have parties. We can dance. We can have dinners. You know, it's a blessing. It really? is. And I, you know, it's interesting to be Tantra teachers looking at this world right now because it's it's almost the opposite of Tantra everyone's going through. I mean, it's like people are being put into massive states of separation. So, you know, I'm I'm curious if you're thinking about that in your school as well, like how how maybe Tantra could be a part of the future for healing. It's not just about sexuality, but I imagine people are going to be in quite a there's a global trauma going on right now. Yeah, we actually, the, the people that took all the, the teachers, that took all the curriculum, are totally turned on by sky dancing, and they want to find all sorts of new ways to spread it in the world. And one of them that they found is called the Sky Dancing Tantra University. Mm -hmm. And all the teachers gathered together in Trimurti, which is a very beautiful place near Saint-Tropez, and they're going to spend a week to share you know, and see how Tantra in the world can be and develop and 
what to do and how to think about what's going on and etc and um i am secretly uh thinking that i am going to not tell anybody and i'm going to show up <laughs> well i don't not publish this beforehand then <laughs> no, it's okay it's okay so far it's just a wishful thinking i have to see but you know i i have all the visas and the papers to go in and out of the places i have no problem wow that's yeah. fantastic yeah. So over your lifetime, you've been seeing such a shift. So when you started in Tantra, nobody had heard of it, right? It was, uh, I don't know what decade yeah. it was. <laughs> Sometime. When, I arrived, when I arrived on the scene, uh, nobody had heard of a Tibetan bowl. Nobody <laughs> knew what it was. Nobody knew the word Tantra. Never heard of it. Okay. And, uh, and nobody knew what a ritual is. And wow. I'll never forget, I had three gorgeous Shivas that were there to celebrate my birthday with me. And I had to explain everything to them. You know, <laughs> I had to explain what a ritual is and I had to explain this and that and the other. And they were looking at me like eyes big like this, you know. And uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was really wonderful to initiate all these things in the world I was in. And have you found uh, have you found that just an effortless flow, or has there been resistance? Do you find people come with judgment? Like the word word tantra is exciting to people, but I think it's also very loaded and brings a lot of preconception. And what's been your experience? Because you were so much the pioneer. Did the world just receive it gracefully, or did you? No, no, no. I had I, I had to confront all sorts of prejudices and resistances i had a publisher who didn't want to publish me because you know uh, i was too much about sex or tantra another one this another one. but you know i was also protected i was also very much uh, lucky i was uh, you know uh i was guided i was just you know but it wasn't it wasn't easy but it was also a great adventure and always, you know, a next level and a next level and a next level and always a new revelation. And, uh, you know, and Tantra, Tantra is the shortcut for the courageous. Tantra, you know, will take you to a love of adventure, a love of discovering the hidden, a love of, you know, discovering who you are in all sorts of unexpected circumstances, you know. <laughs> uh, love that, the shortcut yeah. for Courageous. <laughs> so why does it take courage? Tell us a little bit about that. If there's anyone listening or watching this who's like not in Tantra yet, then people have a lot of fear, right? I think people fear being naked or having orgy or but I think truly it's a fear of being seen, right? People are, are afraid of taking off their mask. So what is the courage all about? What what courage, what are we doing in Tantra? Well, you're breaking through taboos, you're changing your lifestyle, you're exploring masters in India and living your bourgeois life in Paris, you're, you know, whatever it may be, you travel. And now, of course, you know, uh, you, you also have to have enough integrity, you know, to, to choose with awareness what you're doing. You know, and not just do something because you have greed or you have uh, longing or you have whatever it is. You choose with awareness, with the consciousness that whatever you're choosing is not only, you know, good for you, but it's good for the others too. And um, you're basically, you know, a rebel. 
you break through the rules in a way that is not illegal. And that, of course, is a great challenge. Break <laughs> the rules, but don't be illegal. Okay? <laughs> it takes a lot of skill. And it's the difference between fighting against, which is the masculine way, and going through, which is the feminine way. And take the image of the stream in the river or in the forest, and then a big boulder falls in the middle. Well, the water doesn't stop. It flows around it. And that's my image. That's how I proceed in the world. And it's so far, so good. <laughs> I love that. I love that distinction because, I mean, especially now we've got so many restrictions and rules around the world and there's so many people fighting it. But I love your distinction that Tantra isn't about fighting the rules. It's about actually flowing through. Flowing through. <laughs> Finding a freedom that isn't a freedom against something, but it's just an exactly. inner Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. available. It's and available. It's <laughs> and how do people begin? If somebody's really drawn but a beginner, where do they take their, their first step to find that freedom? Well, they go to um, an open weekend of a sky dancing uh, a tantra teaching, or they join the sky dancing tantra immersion course, which is coming up in April and May. And I'm very proud to announce that this was created from scratch with all the sky dancing Tantra teachers, which decided that sky dancing had to bring joy in the world. So they conceived completely on their own without any of us, the original teachers, of a thing that offers people uh, four Saturdays a month of presence of teachers to help them, to support them. And every morning and every evening for four weeks, uh, and it's 40 different teachers coming from nine different countries. Wow. And we had it was teaching 150 people. And the people who were putting this together didn't sleep for three nights in a row, day and night, because they had to face the complete headache of doing the timelines between Moscow and Bali and Germany and the USA. And I then they to also think about all the teachers, Morocco, I mean, I mean, all the teachers who are coming to teach. Oh, okay, you have a session at nine o'clock, but you're coming from Morocco. Oh, and you're coming from Bali. Can you do it at two in the morning? And, you know, it was insane. <laughs> and it, I know. People want another one, so they are going to do another one. Oh, now you're supported in a way that you can uh, you can actualize whatever you learned in your daily life yeah. because you morning meditation. So that's it. You do the meditation. You're a, a person to coach you and to be with you, and then you see during the rest of the day how does that echo for you and how does that apply and. What of it you remember and so on. And then you close the day with another meditation from other one, the sky dancing teachers. And this is a completely new format and it's really great. So beautiful happening out of this year, I think that like we've had to be creative. We've had to go online, we've had to work out how to create symposiums, classes, transmissions. And I, I've done a lot online as well as you know, and at the beginning I thought, oh, I won't have the same connection that we have in the classroom, it won't have the same effect. But actually, I've had it's amazing 
connections, powerful effects, and we're reaching more people than would probably have come to live workshops. And hopefully yep. those people have had a taste of Tantra and feel safer with it, and so they will come to live workshops once they're yep. happening again on a bigger scale. So well, I, you, can have, yeah. uh, you can have groups of 100, 200, 300 people. Get ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we are getting ready for that. It's uh, I, everything I see going on in the world with people going into isolation, I feel like, wow, Tantra is the medicine for that. So yeah. I think we definitely need to be ready. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. So just um, just one more uh, question about like all these, so we, you know, the, the life that you've had and the practices you've had and we've looked at the future, how do these ancient paths fit in? Like sometimes I hear people dismiss Neo-Tantra and go, oh, but it's not real Tantra because you're not sitting in a monastery or reading Sanskrit or or whatever. I don't see very many people doing that. I see most people are drawn to Neo-Tantra. Um, so how do these ancient lineages weave in to what we have now and you know you talk so much about the the sky dancing so if somebody comes to a workshop um <clears throat> the, you know it's going to be very different from ancient tibet but how do they weave together how do we how do you bring the therapeutic and the, the ancient spiritual into one package well you know what was taught by the ancients uh take example of uh, uh buddha atisha for instance who was alive in the 11th century I think it was in Tibet or India, I'm not sure anymore. Um, he left, you know, wonderful, wonderful teachings. And, you know, one of his meditations is incredibly powerful. And we use it today, you know. A lot. Use it a lot. <laughs> we uh, presented it in my, la my last book. And it's completely appropriate for today. Okay, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. the mantras, the transmissions, uh, of these masters is still alive today and still works today. And I have had um, miracles lately in my life. You know, when I had my knee operation, they gave me a pills to take for 10 days that was called Oxycontin without telling me it was an opioid. Well, I was very happy every morning, la, li, la, li, la, you know, with my opioid. And then when I had to, I didn't have any more pills and I didn't know, I went into the deepest depression. And I didn't know why. I'm never depressed. I'm not the depression type. Mm -hmm. So some friends in my community ended up inviting me. And, you know, Don, who was uh, a musician, said to me, okay, please lie down here on the bed and put the earphones, listen to my latest piece of music. I lie down, I listen. And what do I hear? The favorite mantras of all mantras, the most powerful mantra, which was transmitted to Padmasambhava, to Yeshit Sogya. And it's Om Ahum Vajra Guru Pemesi Hum. has many different meanings. So I'm listening and I'm hearing this mantra sung in a new melody. And all of a sudden, Padmasambhava appears to me uh, in the ceiling. Um, and there is a ray of light that's coming out of his heart and that's going into mine. And within minutes, I feel this black cloud of the depression lifting and the good old Margot showing up again, the same old, same old. 
And so I got up and I said, Margot's back, you know. <laughs> that was the end of my depression. Now, you know, that is the best form of therapy I can think of. So these masters, once they wake up, they are in for the long ride. They are bodhisattvas. And what is the vow of a bodhisattva? Which I really have a hard time believing in, but okay, it is what the Buddhists teach that you promise, you commit to be coming back again and again and again to help beings until the whole world, the whole planet is enlightened. Okay? Mm -hmm. They are there, they are available. Mm -hmm. uh, so you get, you receive an initiation you are in a state of consciousness which is relaxed enough and expanded enough so that they can come in, you know, and communicate to you. And then bingo, all sorts of good things happen. You know, you have to be ready for miracles. You know, you have to be ready for miracles. You know what's amazing, Margot? My own mother just went for a shoulder operation. She had a shoulder replacement last two weeks ago. And of course, no one could be with her because of the restrictions. I gave her a mantra, I sent her a little mantra, and I, and I said, listen to this, listen to it when you're coming out of anesthetic, listen to it for healing. And she said she didn't even need to take all the painkillers that they gave her, and that it was, that somehow the mantra was soothing her and helping her with the pain. And so <laughs> I love to hear your story as well and, and feel like yeah. there are some ways in which the, I feel the ancient teachings are still being woven into our existence now. And of course, like what you just shared about bodhisattvas, it's not just about somebody a thousand years ago in India, it's there are also bodhisattvas here now, like yeah. yourself, yeah. and you know, channeled through various beings, bringing these teachings to others. And we, I think people get very attached to, you know, it's only this man or this Dakini a thousand years ago, and not recognizing that there are uh, beings of light around now. But all like Dilgo Kiense, whose picture I showed you earlier, they reincarnate. Yeah. They come back. They come back again and again and again, if you believe in that uh, line of thinking. Yeah. But the Tibetans do, and they are quite an amazing culture, you know. Sometimes, I mean, I always think like these people were once alive, and many people. Um, of their contemporary time rejected them as teachers. <laughs> Somehow after someone's died, we revere them as a saint, you know? And, uh, and I can think about that now. There are, there, are, there are walking saints amongst us now, and there's often a lot of resistance to them and judgment. And yet, you know, in a few hundred years time, they'll be worshiped. So why not open our hearts now to receive teachings and blessings um, from, from those who show up in our life for that? And, and I think asking for it as well, um, because certainly, I, for myself, I was 18 studying psychology at Oxford. I was studying the nature of consciousness, and I knew there was more than studying it academically. And I just asked to be seen. I, just, I didn't even know who I asked. <laughs> I didn't have such a strong connection with Source at that point. I just, I just asked the universe to show me more than just the academic. I knew there was more, and uh, like you, it led me to India and to Osho and. To tantra. <laughs> My same story with me. I was studying psychology at the Sorbonne, and it was all about analyzing human behavior through statistical, you know, statistics. Yeah. Totally, totally unsatisfying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, there had to be more. Yeah.
<laughs> let's tell people that uh, <clears throat> let's encourage people to read my book love sex and awakening you can find it on amazon and this is my most fun book because it's a book of stories of all the adventures and initiations that i have received through my life and each chapter is in a different country a different continent with a different partner and a different adventure oh i love it <laughs> no i yeah i want to, I I want to. this book will show you what is the origin of sky dancing tantra how did it happen to come back in the world today mm -hmm. fantastic good i will definitely paste a, a link to that because i loved reading it and um, I seem to remember even with that, there was some difficulty getting it published, right? It's uh, taboo in some places. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, <laughs> it, I, I live in a, in a Muslim uh, republic. So my books cannot come in through the border. So I have to make copies for all the friends who want it. So every <laughs> I have people coming through for a cup of tea and buying a book. <laughs> 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 the secret teachings that makes it even more exciting <laughs> yeah anyway love i have to go soon i have a dinner invitation and here in bali it's 25 to 7. yes of course and we've had our look we're up to 44 minutes so we're just about to reach the 45 minutes <laughs> that i requested so thank you so much margo for sharing your stories and your insights your wisdom your lineage I, I feel so blessed to have uh, found you through your yeah. as a friend. Thank you. Thank you for always remembering me and always <laughs> honoring me. Uh, you're delightful and I oh. love you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> Thank you so much. So many blessings and I'll see you soon in Bali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>